the wrong righteousness. I'm reading out of Romans chapter 10. And the theme of this chapter is Israel's present rejection. Paul moved from divine sovereignty in Romans 9 to human responsibility. Paul continued the theme of righteousness introduced at the end of the previous chapter. See Romans 9 verses 30 through 33. And he explains three aspects of Israel's rejection. In chapter 10, verses 1 through 13, the reasons for the rejection. You would think that Israel as a nation would have been eagerly expecting the arrival of their Messiah and, and would have been prepared to receive him. For centuries, they had known the Old Testament prophecies. They had practiced the law which was a schoolmaster to lead them to Christ, as we see in Galatians chapter 3. God had sought to prepare the nation, but when Jesus Christ came, they rejected him. He came unto his own, the Bible said. The world and his own, or the people, received him not. John 1 verse 11. To be sure, there was a faithful remnant in the nation that looked for his arrival. And such as uh, Simeon and Anna, we can find that in Luke chapter 2. But the majority of the people were not ready when he came. So how do we explain this tragic event? Paul gives several reasons why Israel rejected their Messiah. They did not feel a need for salvation. It says in verse 1, there was a time when Paul would have agreed with his people for the for himself, opposed the gospel, and he considered Jesus Christ an imposter. Israel considered the Gentiles in, in need of salvation, but certainly not the Jews. In several of his parables, Jesus pointed out this wrong attitude. In in Luke chapter 15, in regard to the elder brother, and then again in Luke chapter 18 in regard to the Pharisee. These are two examples. Israel would have been happy for political salvation from Rome, but she did not feel she needed spiritual salvation for her own sin. In verse 2, ever since Israel returned to their land from uh, the Babylonian captivity, the nation had been cured of idolatry. And then in the temple and in the local synagogues, only the true God was worshipped. Only the true God was served and only the true law was taught. So zealous were the Jews that they even improved upon God's law and they added their own traditions, making them equal to the law. Paul himself had been zealous for the law. As we look into Acts chapter 26, he had been zealous for the law and the traditions, but their zeal was not based on knowledge. It was, it was heat without light. Sad to say, many religious people today are making the same mistake. They think that their good works, they think that their religious deeds will save them, when actually these practices are keeping them from being saved. Certainly many of them are sincere, they're devout, but sincerity and devotion is never going to save the soul. 
the Bible says in Romans 3, chap, uh, chapter 3, verses 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in God's sight. The, the Israelites, they were proud and they were self-righteous. As we look at verse uh, 3, Israel was ignorant of God's righteousness. Not because they had never been told. They had been told but because that they refuse to learn. There's an ignorance that comes from lack of opportunity. But Israel had had many opportunities to be saved. In their case, it was an ignorance that stemmed from willful, stubborn resistance to the truth. They would not submit to God. They were proud of their own good works. They were proud of their religious self-righteousness. And they would not admit their sins and trust the Savior. Now Paul, he had made the same mistake before he met the Lord. Look in, uh, check it out in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. They misunderstood their own law. Verse 4 through 13. Everything about the Jewish religion pointed to the coming Messiah. Their sacrifices, priesthood, temple services, the religious festivals, the covenants. Their law told them they were sinners in need of a Savior. But instead of letting the law bring them to Christ, they worshipped their law and they rejected their Savior. Galatians chapter 3. The law was a signpost pointing the way, but it could never take them to their destination. The law cannot give righteousness. It only leads the sinner to the Savior who can give righteousness. Christ is the end of the law. In the sense that through his death and through his resurrection, he's terminated the ministry of the law for those who believe. The law is ended as far as Christians are concerned. The righteousness of the law is being fulfilled in the life of the believer through the power of the Holy Spirit. See Romans chapter 8. But the reign of the law has ended. See Ephesians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2. For ye are not under the law, the Bible said, but under grace. Paul said that in Romans chapter 6. Paul quoted from the Old Testament to prove to his readers that they did not even understand their own law. He began with Leviticus chapter 18 verse 5 which states the purpose of the law. If you obey it, you live. But we did obey it, they would argue with Paul. And Paul would say, you know what, you might have obeyed it outwardly, but Paul would reply but you did not believe it from your heart. And then he, he then quoted Deuteronomy 30, 12 through 14, and he gave the uh, scripture a dip, deeper spiritual meaning. Um, the theme of Moses' message was the commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 30, referring to the word of God. Moses argued that the Jews had no reason to disobey the word of God because it had been clearly explained to them. It was not far from them. In fact, Moses's, Moses urged them to receive the word in their hearts. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, 6, 
also chapter 13 and chapter 30. So the emphasis in Deuteronomy is on the heart. It's on the inner spiritual condition. It's not mere outward acts of obedience. Paul gave us the spiritual understanding of this admonition. He, he saw, quote, the commandment or the word as meaning Christ, God's word. So he substituted Christ for the commandment. He told us that God's way of salvation was not difficult. It was not complicated. We do not have to go to heaven to find Christ or, we, or into the world of the dead. He's near unto us right now. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of faith is available. It's accessible to us right now. The sinner need not perform difficult works in order to be saved. All he has to do is to trust Christ. Well, the very word on the lips of the religious Jews was the word of faith. The very law that they read and they, they recited pointed to Christ. At this point, Paul quoted uh, Isaiah 28 to show that salvation is by faith. Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. He quoted this verse before in Romans chapter 9. He made it clear in Romans chapter 10 that salvation is by faith. So we believe in the heart. We receive God's righteousness and then confess Christ openly and without shame. And then Paul's final quotation was from Joel uh, chapter 2 verse 32 to prove that this salvation is open to everyone. The Bible says, for whosoever will shall call upon the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved. Paul had already proved that there is no difference in condemnation, Romans chapter 3. Now he affirms that there is no difference in salvation. Instead of the Jew having a special righteousness of his own through the law, he was declared to be as much a sinner as the Gentile that he condemned. So this entire section, it emphasizes the difference between law righteousness and faith righteousness. The contrasts are seen in the following um, Summary, having explained the reason for Israel's rejection of God's righteousness, Paul moves into the next aspect of the subject, which is the remedy for their rejection. So in chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, this passage is often used as the basis for the church's missionary program, and rightly so. But its first application is to the nation of Israel. The only way uh, unbelieving Jews can be saved is by calling on the Lord. But before they can call on him, they must believe. For the Jew, this meant believing that Jesus Christ of Nazareth truly is the Son of God and the Messiah, the Messiah of Israel. It also meant believing in his death and his resurrection. Let's see Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. But in order to believe, they must hear the word, for it is the word that creates faith in the heart of the hearer. Romans chapter 10. And this meant that a herald of the word must be sent, and it is 
the Lord who does the sending. The quotation in Romans chapter 10 is found in Isaiah 52, 7 and in Nahum uh, chapter 1, verse 15. And the Nahum reference had to do with the destruction of the Assyrian Empire, the hated enemies of the Jews. And then Nineveh was their key city, a wicked city to which God sent Jonah some 150 years before Nahum wrote. God had patiently dealt with Nineveh, but now his judgment was going to fall. It was, it was this good news that the messenger brought to the Jews. And this is what made his feet so beautiful. Isaiah used this statement for a future event, the return of Christ and the establishing of his glorious kingdom. In Isaiah chapter 52, the messenger with the beautiful feet announced that God had defeated Israel's enemies and that Messiah was reigning from Jerusalem. But Paul used the quotation in a present application. The messengers of the gospel take the good news to Israel today. The, quote, peace spoken of is peace with God, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And the peace Christ has effected between Jews and Gentiles by forming the one body, or the church, Ephesians chapter 2. The remedy for Israel's rejection is in hearing the word of the gospel and believing on Jesus Christ. Isaiah in chapter 53 was Paul's next quotation proving that not all of Israel would obey his word. And this verse introduced one of the greatest, uh, verse 1, verse 1 in chapter 53, introduced one of the greatest messianic uh, chapters in the Old Testament. Traditionally, Jewish scholars have applied Isaiah 53 to the nation of Israel rather than to the Messiah. But many ancient rabbis saw, it, saw in it a picture of, of a suffering Messiah bearing the sins of his people as we see that in Acts chapter 8 in Isaiah's day the people did not believe God's word neither neither do they believe it today because they would not believe judgment came on them and they could not believe Note that trusting Christ is not only a matter of believing, but it's also a matter of obeying. So not to believe on Christ is to disobey God right there. God commanded all men everywhere to repent in Acts 17, verse 30. Romans 6, 17 also equates believing and obeying. So they kind of go together. You know, if you believe, you're going to obey if you truly, truly believe. True faith must touch the, the will and result in a changed life. So we must never minimize the, the missionary outreach of the church, of course. While this passage relates primarily to Israel, it applies to all lost souls around the whole world. They cannot be saved unless they call on the Lord Jesus Christ. But they cannot call, the Bible says, unless they believe. They cannot call 
also unless they hear. Faith comes by hearing, so they must hear the message. And the Bible asks the question, how should they hear if they don't have a, a preacher? A messenger must go to them with the message, but this means that God must call the messenger and the messenger must be sent. So what a privilege it is to be one of his messengers messengers, and have the beautiful feet that uh, bring the gospel of good news. There are four reasons why the church must send out missionaries. Number one, the command from above that says, Go ye into all the world, Mark 16. Number two, the cry from beneath that says, Send him to my father's house, Luke 16. And then number three, the call from without that says, Come over and help us, Acts 16. And last but not least, number four, the constraint from within, which is the love of Christ that constraineth us, 2 Corinthians 5. There remains a third aspect of Israel's rejection for Paul that Paul discusses, and that is in chapter 10, verses 18 through 21. There are three results of rejection, and each of them is supported by a quotation from the Old Testament. Israel is guilty, verse 18. Someone might have argued with Paul and said, you know what, but, but how do you know that Israel really heard? And Paul's reply, his reply would have been Psalms 19, verse 4, a psalm that emphasizes the revelation of God in the world. God reveals himself in creation, Psalms 19, 1 through 6. And he reveals himself in his word, Psalms 19, 7 through 11. The book of nature and the book of revelation go together and proclaim the glory of God. Israel had the benefit of both books, for she saw God at work in nature, and she received God's written word. Israel heard, but she would not heed. No wonder Jesus often had to say to the crowds, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now the message goes to the Gentiles, verses 19 through 20. What a marvelous grace when Israel rejected her Messiah. God sent the gospel to the Gentiles that they might also be saved. This was predicted by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Paul had mentioned this truth before in Romans 9. One reason why God sent the gospel to the Gentiles was that they might provoke the Jews to jealousy. It was an act of grace both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. The prophet Isaiah predicted in Isaiah 65 too, he, um, not verse 2 also, I should have said, that God would save the Gentiles. So as you study the New Testament, you discover that the, the Bible says to the Jew first is a ruling principle of operation. And then Jesus began his ministry with the Jews. He forbade his dis disciples to preach to the Gentiles or even the Samaritans when he sent them on their first tour of ministry. After his resurrection, he commanded them to wait in Jerusalem. 
and to start their ministry there. See Luke chapter 24. You can also in Acts chapter 1. In the first seven chapters of Acts, the ministry is to Jews and to Gentiles who were Jewish proselytes. But when the nation stoned Stephen and persecution broke loose, God sent the gospel to the Samaritans. See Acts chapter 8. And then to the Gentiles, Acts chapter 10. The Jewish believers were shocked when Peter went to the Gentiles, Acts chapter 11. But he explained that it was God who sent him and that it was clear to him that uh, the Jews and Gentiles were both saved the same way. And that was by faith in Jesus Christ. But the opposition of the legalistic Jews was so great that the churches had to call a council to discuss the issue. The record of this council is given in Acts chapter 15. Their conclusion was that Jews and Gentiles were all saved by faith in Christ and that a Gentile did not have to become a Jewish proselyte before he could become a Christian. So in verse 21, God still yearns over his people. This quotation is from, um, it, that says, All the day long... Isaiah 65 verse 2, all the day long certainly refers to this present day of salvation or day of grace in which we live. While Israel as a nation has been set aside, individual Jewish people can be saved and are being saved. The phrase, quote, all day long makes us think of Paul's ministry to the Jews in Rome when he arrived there as a prisoner and uh, Paul said, from morning till evening, Paul expounded on the scriptures to them and he sought to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah, Acts 28. And through Paul, God was stretching out his arms of love to uh, his disobedient people, yearning over them and asking them to return, asking the Jews to return. God's favor to the Gentiles did not change his love for the Jews. God wants to use us to share the gospel with, Jew, with both Jews and Gentiles. God can use our feet. He can use our arms just as he used Paul's. Jesus wept over Jerusalem and longed to gather his people in his arms. Instead, those arms were stretched out on a cross where he willingly died for Jews and Gentiles alike. God is so long-suffering. God is so patient. He's not willing that any should perish, the Bible says, but that all should come to repentance. In Second Peter 3, verse 9. So I will close here with saying, Will God's patience with Israel wear out? Is there any future for the nation? And the answer to that is yes, there is. And we'll go into that in the next chapter that I post. We'll show and I will tell about that hope for the nation of Israel. Amen.